Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the very best of Late Lunch. Let's begin at weekend, yes, Valentine's Day, when Stacey Smith and Sean O'Gorman dropped in to tell us their wonderful love story. Welcome to Late Lunch on the Day of Love. Yes, February 14th. Happy Valentine's to all lovers out there today. And we have a show jammed with love for you from start to finish. And I'm beginning today with a lovely couple. They're laughing away there in the background. I don't know what they're laughing about. Sean and Stacey O'Gorman-Smith, you're both welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us today. Ah, uh, Jerry Smith, I kept, the, kept my marriage so you Yeah, kept... and much to Sean's disappointment. Okay, so, so Sean, you are Smith. Stacey Smith, Smith yeah, and Sean yeah, O'Gorman. And, that's Sean O'Gorman and, and listen, you, you know when you keep the name, <laughs> wait, was, was that a, a deal breaker, keeping the name? Do you know what? Not really at all. You know, it was funny. We didn't really talk about it too much. And then on the day I was about to sign the register and I just said, oh, do you know what? I'm just, I'm going to keep it. And then sure, we can change it again at a later point yeah. if necessary. And we just, with everything that's happened, we actually just didn't get around to it. But I did tell Sean that if, you know, things were kind of, you know, if I got better and, you know, things were good, that we'd I'd definitely go about doing that. So, OK, so yeah, you we will are, do it. You are Stacey Smith. I am. And this is Sean O'Gorman. Yes. And you are a couple. Let's go yeah, back to yeah. the time that you met each other, because you guys didn't meet face to face, Sean. No, not at all. Not at all. No, we we actually met online. And uh, and uh, yeah, so you can imagine now this was 2013. It was just shy of it of Easter 2013, and uh, so we had a little bit of a you know conversation uh, online and whatnot, and we got talking, and eventually plucked up the courage to to meet up. And uh, we uh, we met in the 12th lock, wasn't it? Yeah, well, in you see, we did. And Sean tried to bail on me. You see, we'd been <laughs> chatting for a while. And then anyway, it was in around Easter time. And I was like, oh, I'm dying to meet this fella now. And um, anyway, he uh, sends me a message. I don't know if I can come. So I here I was. Well, that's that now. <laughs> so anyway, he had to come up then. You made the way, yeah. didn't you? you I never up. I never went home. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the thing. <laughs> I tried missing from Wexford and that was it, you know. Oh, God, uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, we met up and uh, on the first date we, we kind of, we got on great and it was super. And yeah. uh, Stacey had a few drinks, I didn't. And oh, yeah, so she was yeah. driving I said, well, look, I'll drop you home, as you do. And yeah. uh, on the way out, I dropped her home, sat outside the house and I said, you know, <laughs> this is it now. You know, I better kind of, you know, make a move here. And uh, I, ma- I moved over slowly and next minute the door just, Banged. <laughs> she 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 was gone. 
she was going in the driveway and I was left sitting there. I thought it went so, all right, in fairness. With his eyes shut and his lips puckered. And this was it. And this the door banged it. in his yeah. face. And nothing yeah. has changed since that. No, no, a lot has changed, obviously. A lot has changed. <laughs> Just come back to meaning mm. online because it's 2013, yes. which is a few years ago. What what, 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 uh, what do you mean online? Was so it? it was plenty of fish. Mm. So it, and now this actually sounds like I'm making it up, but neither of, neither of us had actually done the online thing. Um, so we were online and I was chatting to Sean and we were just sending lots of emails and we had a kind of couple of phone calls and um, yeah we didn't even have like Tinder and things like that at the time like you know that was before any of this kind of stuff so yeah so it was our first date and it went well in fairness apart from me snubbing Sean but (laughs) you know (laughs) you are a good Irish girl you did (laughs) what would be expected and I was living at home at the time obviously so you know mum and dad could have been looking out the window what what does that make me (laughs) (laughs) listen Sean it makes it a hot blooded Irish yes. man uh, it's yeah. a good combination do you know what I mean it, it really uh, does work as you've proven subsequently did yeah. you see, had your pictures of each other before you met yes yeah, yes. yeah no we did so there's no yeah. surprise when yeah, you're yeah. face to face yeah. No. Yeah. so yeah. what happened after you sort of really um, cooled him a little bit on that first <laughs> night yeah. so we met up we went on a couple of more dates after that didn't we we did yeah we did. yeah um, where did we go next? We we we, we met up in Drumcondra then for for a, a cup of coffee or whatnot then one evening and uh, oh, you bought me the, the Ferrero Rocher. I did, yeah, did, very old fashioned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had no very reception where I lived in Wexford. There's no reform reception. So Stacey brought these two little plastic cups that she made in work with a string on them. Oh yes, <laughs> thought it'd be <laughs> might be as effective. Uh, but uh, we we uh, on 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 our third date. Um, at this point now, I was kind of you know pulling out all the moves and uh, <laughs> so I said I had a surprise and I said I picked Stacey up outside the house in, in Dunboyne and uh, um, I said complete surprise didn't tell her anything so I drove down the M50 and this is her third time meeting me at this point and drive down the M50 and start driving towards the Dublin mountains. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I could see, I could see conversation ran dry a little bit, you know, heading towards the Dublin mountains with a complete stranger. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a shovel in the back seat. <laughs> Only messing, only messing. And uh, and we, we went to Johnny Fox's uh, and had a great night, didn't we? Ah, uh, sure, I don't remember. Uh, and and, and didn't, didn't snub me on that night. Oh, lovely, lovely. But I did embarrass you on the way home. You did? Yes. Do you want to tell them about that? Well, th- we, we were coming through Anniscarry on the way back and, and again I was driving and uh, Stacey decided to, to sing. I and love Irish songs, Jerry. What was it? The, the Greenfields of France. Yeah. And uh, there was a guard at checkpoint. So I was letting down the window while she was banging out the green fears of France, no problem. <laughs> so that, uh, that that was it. Love at love third sight. <laughs> you are a great man. You, you uh, really are because yeah, she enjoyed herself again on that night and yeah. you were doing the driving. I'm yeah. sure you've swapped roles Indeed. since. But look at the rest is history. Yeah. You hit it off and you're away. Yeah. Did you get engaged? Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah. It's just I haven't thought about that in some time. Mm. We got engaged in Killarney. Um, we were away actually. Um, with my my nan had just passed away actually of a very rare type of gynecological cancer, and we um we figured we'd go away for a couple of days. Went away with my folks, um, Wendy and Claire. Hi, mum and dad. They're the best <laughs> in the world, by the way. And Holly. Um, we had a beautiful cocker spaniel who was our baby, and she was with us. And um. Sean had planned to ask me or to propose on the beach in, in where was it? Ventry, Ventry down in Dingle. Beach, yeah. Beautiful. 
but I decided I was too cold I didn't want to go for the walk <laughs> so I was like sure we'll go back to the cottage we had rented this gorgeous little cottage and um, we were in having a glass of wine myself and dad at the fire and Holly comes um, bounding in with a little note in her collar saying um, will you come outside well go outside to Sean and I went out and he had he just came out with all the, the gorgeousness oh, yeah. and the the loveliness <laughs> and oh, it was very emotional <laughs> Yeah. And then we, yeah, that set the set about the, the planning the wedding, which was just, oh, it was just the most exciting time. But yeah, it was a busy Terrific. time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we've had a busy couple of years. You're yeah. a romantic. Uh, <laughs> as well as being hot blooded. The little uh, note yeah. on the dog. Oh, go on, Sean. The Wexford charm, Jerry. That's what that is. Uh, he is, Jerry. <laughs> he he is. certainly has yeah. it. Yeah. Now, moving on with the story, you yeah. mentioned your wedding and you have lovely memories of the wedding. But yeah. this love story takes a twist on wedding day. Yeah, so I mm. suppose for maybe, I, I th- I'd say 12 months, maybe if not 18 months coming up to the wedding, I hadn't been feeling well, Jerry. I, had, I was having lots of different kind of, I suppose, gynecological symptoms. Um, I'd like bleeding and I'd kind of pain and things like that. And I'd been in and out to my then GP and do you know that kind of I just had a feeling that there was something wrong I work in healthcare I actually work in um, in a hospital and I just had a feeling and I suppose as well I had been working in gynecological medicine um, as well um, and my nan obviously the personal experience of my nan so you know for some time I, I thought maybe it's an autoimmune thing but I had a feeling there was something just wasn't qu- quite right so um, I, I bled on my wedding day and I remember thinking even though I I mean, my wedding day was just like everybody. I had the most fun. It was the best day of my life, really. You know, it really was. And we all, we do say that in fairness, you know, yeah. um, it really was worth it, you know. Um, but then it, we did say to each other, look, right, we need to get after the honeymoon. We went away to Kerry on the honeymoon and we said we'd go to I'd go back to the GP um, and we'd, you know, get things moving again because there, there was something wrong. And at yeah. this point, I was kind of thinking, is is it cervical cancer? You know, you know, it had all the kind of classic symptoms. So before I actually went in to see the consultant, I, I remember saying, you know, mm. I think this is actually cervical cancer that I have. And it was in the end. Yeah, yeah I had um, a seven centimetre tumour. And this is actually really funny. Well, very ironic in yeah. the in the shape of a heart. So very fitting for today's show, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it was, I hadn't spread, I suppose, and that was one of the, we were extremely lucky, um, but obviously very fearful. I was diagnosed, so it was on the 11th of October. And we obviously, there was lots of biopsies. 2018. 2018, yeah. So there was lots of PET scans, MRIs, and we had maybe a two or three kind of week period waiting for all of them um, results to come back. Um, And I suppose that's the really scary part because you really don't know what you're facing into at that point. You're just, okay, you have a cervical cancer. It's obviously a large enough tumour. At that point, uh, we didn't know whether it was contained or not. Um, So it was just very scary. And people say, you know, you're so brave and actually... I'm not at all. It, it was absolute fear. I was just so terrified, the two of us mm. were. Um, and then you're preparing yourself. I remember we went home that day. Um, we were on the M50, stuck in crazy traffic. And the two of us just were like, oh, my God. So we, we literally had just gotten married in the June. And then this was the October then. So the diagnosis, we'd moved into our house as well. We had just bought a house yeah. that was in rack and ruin at the time. Yes. And... Um, 
we were uh, in the process of trying to kind of do the wedding, move into the house, and then this kind of happened. So, yeah. so This shouldn't happen. No. You know, it should yeah, not happen. Yeah, it really, yeah. like, you know, in the normal scheme of things. Yeah. Stay there a second. I have to take a short break. Okay. I am with the most wonderful couple on late lunch today, <laughs> on this Valentine's Day, with such a story. Stacey, the diagnosis you have, you move quickly after you're married, and then yeah. your tumour yeah. surgery follows. Absolutely. So... We got married, moved. We had just gotten the mortgage on our on our home in and it's a beautiful little house, but it needed a huge amount of work. So what happened was I got diagnosed in the October and my mum and dad were like, OK, let's come back and, and, and stay with us because we really the house wasn't ready and we did need the support. Um, so I started my chemo radiation and that was in the November and I'd done 28 rounds of external radiation and then six doses of chemo and three doses of brachytherapy, which is a very kind of just intensive. Um, internal. Yeah, internal yeah. kind of radiation. So um, in the December, so that was the November and this fast forward to December, had an MRI. I and we were very practical about things. It was like, okay, obviously the tumour will have shrank, but unfortunately it only had a really kind of minimal um, response. So my response initially to the t- to the cancer wasn't great. And I think that was probably the scariest time. Mm-hmm. Certainly when we've talked, talked about it again and reflected back upon it, that's been the really, that was the worst time for us um, because we didn't really know what our options were then. And we were moving into territory then around kind of surgical options and whether that was even a possibility. Um, but it became a possibility after a couple of months I was in being reviewed and the conversation began because the tumours start to actually change and um, reduce. So I have a really wonderful medical team um, in the hospital and they have just been amazing. Um, the staff in there are just have been wonderful. Um, they've done actually lots of fundraising um, fundraising for us yeah. to help us move into our new home. My colleagues are just beautiful bunch of people Terrific. yeah and where, just, yeah. where are you being cared for in what hospital St James's oh brilliant they are, and St yeah. Luke's and St Luke's yes. as well between both yeah. when did yeah. you have the surgery so I had the first surgery in May last year and yeah. then the second one yeah yeah wasn't it May and then July yes that's it. yeah so I had a first surgery um it was a radical hysterectomy so really that's kind of the removal of all the kind of female reproductive organs and then the second surgery was kind of like it was an unusual kind of surgery um and it was obviously very planned with my um consultant um and that it was like a hybrid exenterative surgery where they removed um par- partial removal of the of the vagina um and the cardinal ligament um and then some kind of endometrial kind of tissue tissues yeah. around the area because I suppose when they went in the second time to do the radical hysterectomy they there were still some cancer cells left so to be I am incredibly lucky and mm. very blessed and I feel like I have a second chance at life and I think cancer can be like that you know it can kind of give you that tap on the shoulder and that tap is really like wake up and and live your life and things are really different for us now mm-hmm. but like not in a bad way you know things things are different and we're just kind of trying to reclaim our new lives and find our new normal but Jerry, it honestly it has taken an army and I have like my there's only the five of us like it's my mom dad and my brother and sister Gina and Dean and they are just wonderful I have amazing friends amazing colleagues I met the most beautiful there's four ladies in particular that I met when I was going through treatment and we have like stayed in touch I'm meeting with them at the end of the month one of them lives actually not too uh, she lives yeah. close by and meet, meeting mm-hmm. her today after the radio yeah. um, and 
we done the lady, we done the mini marathon. We raised some money for St. Luke's, didn't mm-hmm. we? Um, yeah. My uncle Alan, you can probably tell about Alan doing the Dublin jersey. Yeah, um, lots, lots of people done. You know, fundraised for us, and, and it's fantastic. You know, for for us, but also for St. Luke's Hospital in Rackyard, they were terrific over there, and St. James's. But you know, you. you You'd be wasting your time trying to list off the people that you want to say thanks to because there's so many. Yes, it's just taking an so army. Yeah. And, and for you, tell me about you, Sean, and and and, and you know the love of your life, Stacey, and <laughs> what she's going through. Don't yeah. you laugh? Yeah. You know? I know, I know. It's just a default. But does this here? Yeah. You know what I'm going to say yeah. to you. Yeah. You know, you have a very um, wonderful outlook, obviously, on life mm. and strong relationship. Well, you, you kind of sink or swim with these things, I suppose. And, and in our case, it, it was. You don't have a choice. You have to just get on with it. Uh, I would say it brought us much closer together. Mm-hmm. Ironically, yeah, that's that's what it did. Um, but uh, you know, in in times like that, I mean, I would never have understood what it was like to to my father died, Lord Mercy, died of cervic or died of uh, liver cancer back in 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 two thousand. But you know, I was kind of on, sounds strange, but you're kind of once removed from it. I was kind of protected from that. Uh, by my mother and, and my family, uh, whereas with this you're you're really in the the box seat and you're there looking at someone that you love going through this, uh, and it's just you know you're, you're a bit powerless to do anything really, you know just be there for them. This is yeah just the most wonderful love. Let me say on the fourteenth of February yeah. that both of you are telling us about. You you can't have children now because of all of this. No, no, we can't. And and just before we get Sean is just the most beautiful man in the world and anyone that knows him and that has met him would say the exact same thing he's just very loved and he has a massive heart and he's literally been my partner in crime since I've met him but over the last eight he has not left my sight he has been at every single appointment all of the radiation the chemo and he's been with me through the scariest of times and like we have good faith you know we have our spirituality we're you know we feel that I, I believe that things are going to be OK, you yeah. know, and that's just the way I'm going now, you know. But are you angry in any sense with yeah. you've been touched by this and what it's meant to you long term? I'm, I'm sure yeah. you would have loved to have children yeah. and a family yourselves well, of you know, your own. Do you know, actually, um, and I'm, we're always very open about this. Um, we weren't planning. Kids wasn't on the agenda for us. Mm. And it is a conversation that, you know, or something that people ask us. Um, it wasn't on the agenda. So. I, I it would be dishonest and disingenuous to say you know you know mm. we, we can't because of the cancer it wasn't on the cards for us if for other women it can be yes absolutely everything and it yes. can devastate their lives but not in your case no yeah. we have each other yeah <laughs> like I got you babe I just <laughs> yeah, hear that song yeah, in my yeah, head yeah. look what's coming in the door oh, oh we have it. something oh God, for you beautiful. today oh, thank you so much <laughs> will you accept oh, those so much thank you so thank you. much that's oh, our thank Louise, Louise bringing oh, those thank in you. just oh, a little gesture from us you are so lovely to you and to Sean just on on this day thank you so much to just you know I'm just sit here in awe of you and ah, I, it's, <laughs> it's such a beautiful beautiful story it really is and and you know you are in a good place and long yeah. may that continue 
I want to play this song because yes. just quick as you can, tell yeah. us why you want this song. This Sean. is well, uh, yeah. This is myself and my dad's song. Um, it holds a huge amount of amazing memories, and my dad sings it for me all the time. And um, we walk down the aisle um, on our wedding day to this song. Yeah, <laughs> myself and dad. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a very special song. So, Here it is. Yeah. Go on, introduce it. We're going to hear uh, Lou Kelly's Raglan Road. God bless you both, <laughs> Thank Sean you so much. and Stacey. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks a million. Raglan Road of an autumn day. I saw her first and anew. Ah, what a lovely couple. The lost art of letter writing figured prominently during the week with listeners. Patricia told us of a letter she received at a very difficult time in our life, which meant so much to her. I sadly lost my dad on Christmas Eve, and I had lost my sister in August, so we were having a really difficult time. And... um, I have an elderly neighbour, a lovely, wonderful lady, and I, I received many cards from many people with many thanks. But I got inside the card was a lovely letter. And of all the cards I received, it just it just gave me great comfort. Hmm. And it, it just for somebody to take the time, the pen and paper, just to give you a little bit of comfort and acknowledgement over such a, a difficult time in their family's life. It, it just meant so much to me, personally. Isn't that touching? Really touching. And, and and yet, you know, she wasn't that far away from you, yet the sentiments in the letter meant so much. It meant a great deal. Um, you know, you get the cards and you do appreciate the cards and people taking the time you know, to go and pick them and get them in the shops and, and getting them to mm. But just, it just meant, it meant more. It it was for me, it was it was my name on the piece of paper. Mm. You know, it was how, how it impacted me personally. Yeah. You know, it was, there was, there was warmth in the letter. You could feel the compassion. Yeah. In the words and in the sentiments and and in the writing and the way it was put together, I take it you'll be keeping that letter. Oh, it's it's certainly now it, it's in a very safe it's place. Yeah, she, she's a very kind lady. She's very understated. She she's just she's just wonderful. She's well in her nineties, mm. but she she took the time and she'll never know how much I appreciated that letter. Did you ever tell her? I'm going to make it my business. I'm actually going to go and see her this week. Ah, lovely. That is really, really nice. It really is. Thank you for just telling us that little story because, again, it just shows you the power of the pen, the ink and the paper. Thank you, Jerry. Maria Flynn was listening and called to tell of her precious treasure trove of letters from her mum from yesteryear. Yeah, it just just reminded me and what you were saying was so true. Um, My mum... My mum, Cathy, she was Cathy Kelly from Hand Street. And mum passed away. It could be her anniversary now in March, and she'd be 27 years gone. And when I was a teenager, uh, after the leaving cert, I moved over to London. And I have letters from that time that mum wrote to me. And it seems the older I get, the more important they uh, become. I can't hear a voice anymore in my head. But when I read her letters, it kind of brings me closer to her again. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I just do indeed. It just <laughs> must bring her 
back to you, her voice, you know, so much. They're precious. They're so precious. It's, it's not, it's, it's even, I just pulled one out when I came home there when Louise contacted me and I just put my hand into the tin with the letters and I pulled one out. Would you believe, and this is the truth, it was from the 8th of February, 1989. So it's almost 31 years to the day. And have you got the letter there, no? I have, yeah. <laughs> would, you, would you care to share a few lines will, even well, from I, it I will, I'll share a little bit. And it was just, it's like my dear Maria, and she's, she'd just got a letter from me and she said, here, I've read your letter about three times. <laughs> <laughs> she was missing me shocking, you know. Yeah. And um, so she's saying it's Wednesday. She was talk, just talking about her shift and work that she was going into. She was on a six to ten. And she was looking forward to me coming home on holiday. She was saying the winter had been so mild and all the plants were shooting up early. Um, she was talking about my brother taking his exams soon. And she said, we'll just have to wait and see what he decides to do. So with retrospect, now it's lovely to look back, you know. Yeah. Um, she says how she was talking to a friend of hers on the Saturday night and that friend's um, daughter had moved to London and her mum thought she might be a bit lonely. So mum said, I hope you don't mind. I gave her your phone number <laughs> to give to her so she can contact you, which subsequently she did, and we're friends to this day. And um, mum was saying she might come over to London altogether and set up a halfway house for immigrants. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, Isn't that saying, just fantastic? Yeah, she's saying her peace is soon to be shattered when Laura comes in the door for her lunch. That's my younger sister. <laughs> And she just reminded me it was my aunt's birthday in my aunt that lives in England. She was reminded me it was her birthday and to get her some flowers. Ah, (laughs) isn't that just wonderful? And those words are your mum's, Cathy Kelly, from originally from Han Street in in Drogheda. And yet, you know, even though I I, I presume a phone call, like you're talking about the 80s and uh, around that time into the early 90s. But the letter was those letters were very important to you. Well, it was it was a one it was a one time a week. I don't know if, if the phone was in the house and I can't remember, but she says at the end of it, and most of her letters were signed off like that, so well, that's all the news for now, love. We'll speak to you on Saturday night. So Saturday night was our um, phone, phone call. call night. Yeah, Aye, Right. Yeah. But the letter was still part and parcel of... Every single week and a half or so, a letter would come okay. from mum when I was over there. Yeah. And it's funny because going through my letters, uh, my dad sent me one that's dad's for you (laughs) my dad sent me one and all the rest are from mum but they're so lovely to have you know they really really are and I I I read a couple of them every now and again to Daniel because it makes he never got to meet her that's my son and you know just you get little snapshots of the day what was going on on that day because her letters were just full of conversation do you know what I mean and what she was doing and who she'd met who she'd spoken to. So the time is flying by. Like this letter is 31 years old nearly to the day now. Yeah, Isn't that fantastic to have them? And uh, again, yeah. like I said to Patricia earlier with that special letter she got and talking to Gabby at the top of the show, you'll be minding these and holding on oh, to them. Oh, yeah. They're my most precious thing. I said to the girl, you know, when somebody asks you the question, if the house went on fire, what oh. would you grab? That, that's him. That's what I'd grab. That's, you can't replace these. You just can't replace them. That crystallises completely the value and how wonderful and precious they are to you. It's just... 
It's lovely to hear it and it's lovely to hear that you have them still and that you treasure them and that it does remind you of your mum and it brings her back to life. It brings her to life, yeah. It brings her back to life again, no question. Yeah. You're a star. Thank you for taking the call. You've just made my day. You've made my day, Maria. I have to say that. Thank you so much. I have to say, you've made mine as well. I have a smile (laughs) on my face now. (laughs) Thanks a million. Lovely to talk to you. Speak soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Maria Flynn. She's lovely from Ballamacanny Farm. Letters, letters, precious letters, all types of letters. If it's prompted anything with you today, remember you can always get in touch with us. 1850 715 Late lunch at lmfm.ie is our email address across the social media platforms oh my god there's so many ways or you could write me a letter yes the pen is indeed mightier than the sword back to the beginning of the week Dimna Farrell who has carried the pain and hurt for decades revealed the abuse she suffered at the hands of a Catholic priest who regressed her back to early childhood and recently I went to visit Dimna in her home and she opened up to me about a shocking scenario that developed in her life. Here's her chat and it begins by Dipnit telling us about her family situation, which became another nightmare. Very happy family. Of course we had ups and downs. My son was a prodigy. He was reading the papers and everything at two years of age and he required a lot of attention. I did all I could for him. Very happy family. Of course we had ups and downs. My son was a prodigy. He was reading the papers and everything at two years of age. And he required a lot of attention. I did all I could for him up until the age of 13 where he got into Trinity College. And he studied mathematics and computer science. And he had two degrees and two masters by the time he was 21. Incredible. And schools had no time for him. No time whatsoever. Get out. Nuisance. Really, really very, very hard on them altogether. The two girls went through life no bother? Yeah, they were, they were fine. Mm. They, they were are two nurses. They went into nursing. Now, your husband, Matt, he was a fine man and a good husband and uh, supported you all through life. What happened to him? He became ill. I, unfortunately, was ill at the time he became ill. So I didn't understand his illness. I didn't understand anything. I did, at times, when I'd come back to myself, I was hypnotised into being a baby by a priest. How did that happen? How did you come into contact with the priest in the first place? Why did you go near him? Oh, why did I go near him? It's right. A friend of mine was going to him. He was a healing priest. And she said to me, would you come up with me on a Saturday morning? And And it was the first Saturday in September 1989. And I said, yes, I'll go with you. So I went up with her. That was the end of my life. The worst thing I ever did. A friend of yours went to this priest and she asked you to come along with her. Mm. For what reason? Did you want to see him at all or did you want to engage with him or did you just go along to keep her company or had you any issues yourself? No, I just wanted to go to confession. 
simple as that because I would have been, at the time, I haven't been to confession for a long, long, long time, but um, that time I used to go to confession regularly and I just thought it'd be nice to go to open confession just to see what it was like. I said to the friend of mine on the way home, he was not that nice. She was telling me how nice, how good, how such great healing powers he had. And I said, well, I didn't think he was that nice to me at all. I said, well, I know Jesus was there because I felt a kiss on my cheek. And she set me up, for God's sake. That was Father X, I call him, because I didn't feel his presence. I didn't feel his physical presence. He was on his knees when I came round when I opened my eyes. He was down on his knees beside me, so obviously it was him. So he kissed you on that first encounter? Yes. Why did you go back if you didn't like him and then you realised from your friend that it was him? I want to find out for sure, was I wrong or was was it him? So back you go to him, on your own or in company? With, With that friend. Again. Okay, back with her. And the year we're talking about is 1989. That's right, September 1989. So what happened on the second visit? Oh, he was uh, an absolute, like, saint. A complete different man altogether. Kind, gentle, unbelievable. But he was really nice, so... Any Saturday that she was going back, which was most Saturdays, she went up to see him, and I went with her. And then he said to me, you know, you need to come visit me in my apartment. He was in an apartment at the time, and I used to go up to see him in the apartment. On your own? Went up with her, with her at first, and she waited for me. And he was just very kind and gentle and everything. He used to say to me, unless you open your eyes and look into my eyes, I can never heal you. I absolutely did not want to look into his eyes. But one day I was speaking about something that was possibly in the media or something at the time, and I happened to look at him. I can honest to God swear before God if I was to die this second. A ray of light, bright light, brighter than you can ever imagine the sun to be, coming from him and myself going towards him. And with all my might, I tried to pull back because I felt I was being enveloped by him. And I kept going in and out of progressions from that time on. And therefore then my husband, we became like strangers, like really my children. I didn't understand my children either. I didn't know who they were. So this priest, with the powers that he had when you first looked into his eyes, took control of you to the detriment of the relationship between you and your husband and your children, your family. When he got control of you that first occasion, had he got you from the off there? Was it not possible to walk away? Looking back on this, I don't know. I don't feel it was. A detective that I spoke to said, if there was a crowd of 2,000 in a room, 
he would have been able to pick you out. They have the power to sniff you out. They know who's the vulnerable one. So I obviously was a very vulnerable person at the time. I had worked extremely hard with my children and my son to get him all the that he needed for his education to get him in somewhere into the educational system, which worked. Possibly I was searching to um, heal myself of all the stress I'd gone through with the years of uh, working for my son, then trying to give attention to my two daughters, and then my husband and problems he had with the farm. Okay, so you were vulnerable on a number of fronts and you were looking for something to heal. But this priest took real advantage of that vulnerability. How frequently were you going to see him? Every week. For how long? For four and a half years. And it started that time with a peck on the cheek. But quite quickly things changed. Yes, because after, I can't remember how many visits, he said to me, you know, you're not a person that should be in the church waiting for me. You need appointments. So he made appointments for me to meet him in his apartment. Privately and on your own? Privately and on my own. He took control of your mind? He took control of my whole being, my soul. He stole my soul. That's the way my husband put it. And he he definitely did. I was not myself. I was just like a child. He said, you weren't looked after properly. You weren't fed properly as a child. You need to be reborn, start off again. And he changed my name. And he said I was no longer Dimna. That was gone. He gave me a new name. What did he call you? He called me Law. Uh, Later on, in the visits, he called me Ress. So I was Law Ress. So when I would be back home, it was the adult side of me and the inner child side of me. And it takes a psychologist, a psychoanalyst, to understand what happened. Psychiatrist said to me, she said, of a division between the inner child and the adult. And And he was playing on your vulnerability and regressing you to that child. Inner child. What did he do to you? I didn't feel anything like being an adult. This was not an adult relationship, I can honestly say. There were bits of me would come back for seconds and... Like when he started touching me, feeling my bottom, I would jump away from on, my, on the couch. But that, I think, was seconds that the adult worked. And then I'd move back towards him and he'd start playing around with me again. You know, just feeling my breasts, feeling my body. But I didn't feel at the time that I had breasts. I didn't feel... My body felt like as if it was a baby. There were no sexual desires or inclinations or whatever you like to call it happening within my body. But I can honestly say that there certainly was something happening with him. 
So when you went for help afterwards, all this was became apparent to you and you understood yeah. that there was two yous. There was the adult woman yeah. and there was the child when you were with him. He so touched I, you inappropriately on your breast, on your yeah. bottom, all over. Yes, and he used to go kiss me in a frenzied fashion. But then he'd get up at times and bend over and hold on to himself. So when I look at it from an adult's uh, way, I felt that that was sexual gratification that he was getting. Can you remember, did he ever have full sexual relations with you? No. I would prefer he actually killed me. I would have much preferred if he had actually done something that I could go and show someone. The scar, the wound, the evidence, but I didn't get that. When he decided to finish with me, he stamped on the ground, he roared, he screamed, he shouted at me. He just suddenly turned on me like a wolf. So I wrote to him and I said, you have me caught in a trap. I am unable to get out of it. I thank God that he ended it with me. After how many years? Four and a half. Were you able to function as a mother and a wife during the time you were in the behest or behold of this priest? No, not from then, from when I went to see him, and not until the last, really the last year, I have come back to myself more. I still have to go to see the psychiatrist. Matt found out about it. Did you ever talk to your children about it? I did in later years, yeah. They had lost me, and when they lost their dad, I was lost to them as well. Because when when Matt was buried, Lord have mercy on his soul, I could have buried, it sounds terribly disrespectful, but it could have been a cat or a dog or anything. I was no more there with it. I, I left the church, the priest asked everybody, to stay in the seats, not to come up to shake hands with me, that I wasn't well, and he allowed me to exit through the vestry, mm. and I went out and got into the car and went home, and I did the very same at the funeral. I could not face people. I could not talk to anyone. Matt passed away. He had pancreatic cancer a couple yeah. of years after the abuse had ended, but you were still in the grips of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100% in the grips of us. I used to ring him up to see would he see me. And I went up with Matt one day to his mass in the hopes that he was going to do something to to heal me. Mm. And when the mass was over and he went up to the altar and he asked him would he, would he bless me. He walked down in all his vestments, down couple of seats down to where I was, as if he had never seen me in his entire life, said a couple of prayers over me and walked off. And I was like a child saying, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And he never looked back, he never, he just kept going, as if to, to let all the people that were remaining in the church say, Oh, God help him, you know, mm. what the sort of people he has to put up with. So how did you ever, or have you ever, even to today, 
got away from them. I try. I pray to St. Michael Archangel every day. Every time he comes into my mind, I just don't entertain anything about him. Now, you did take up your case with the church authorities. Yeah. And, and did they do anything for you? Well, they sent me to one psychiatrist that was as bad as the priest that I had gone to mm. because he was doing this, carrying out the same form of regression therapy on patients. Did the church pay for this treatment for you? Did they help you financially they in paid, any way? They paid and still pay for the treatment that I need, but they never paid for my medication, which was not available on the health system, the medical card or that. And up to last year, I paid out 30000 and I ended up having to sell our house. What about the priest? Is he still alive? Somebody told me he was retired. And was he ever removed from practising as a well, priest? Well, the, the, the bishop told my children that he was taken out of ministry for a year and sent to Canada for treatment. You could have taken a case against the Dublin Archdiocese. Yes. Why didn't you? Because when I went to his sister, he told me, you can lose your house. You can lose everything, everything. And I had no backup, no backup. It was your word against his? My word against his, and nobody would back me up. And the medical profession, in the legal profession, or any, anywhere. It was wrong to criticise the priest. Mm. That was 1989. Mm. That man should never, ever have been allowed to carry on from the time I reported it because he told me he had 13 children, that I was the baby, and he had 13 other children. And he said, I have one, and she has anorexia. And I go to visit her, and the only light in her life is when I enter the room. She lights up, and after I leave, then, you know, what he just said, poor thing, she's going to die. So you weren't the only woman? No, there were many more. Who went through what you've been through? I know that you used to talk to someone on the phone and the name was Mo. He'd say, hello, Mo. I was law, so he obviously had someone else called Mo. How do you feel about him sitting here today all these years later? Well, he's robbed me of my life. My children, when they were coming in to do just the adolescence and... Um, he robbed them. They said that, oh, Mum, you always had the dinner on the table for us. But when we came home, there was no dinner. My dad was ill. What they went through, they were very young at the time. Mm. And I think it took years for them, and I don't think they're really over it yet either. What would you like to see happen at this stage of your life? What would help you in your later years? Well, I'm on uh, medication, and I'd love to be able to be able to come off all of my medication. And I'm old now, 
You know, I've lost all the good years from 43. I've lost up until the last six months. I've had many different things happen to me. I fell down the stairs with medication that I took and I broke my shoulder, had to get shoulder replacement. I fell another time and I split the back of my head and I had to get eight stitches. Children never knew what they were going to come home to. There's been no justice for you? No. Will there ever be justice? (sighs) The next world. Doesn't seem like it in this world. The next world. I I just hope to God that if there is still someone alive that he has done this to, can hear what I have said, to know that they're not on their own. I have suffered the same. I've gone through the same trauma. We'll leave it there today. Thank you for telling us your story. It hasn't been easy, but I appreciate it. Thanks very, very much. A really shocking reveal indeed. That's it for another week, but be sure to join us each day from 1.30 for your late lunch. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.